Welcome to Since You Asked with Jim Barrier on the Cross Global Media Radio Network. Send Jim your questions about the Bible and Christianity to jim at cgmradio.com. Subscribe to Since You Asked by visiting us online at cgmradio.com slash ask. And now, here's your host, Jim Barrier. One of the greatest nuggets of wisdom found in the New Testament is in Romans chapter 12. If possible, so far as depends on you, be at peace with all people. There are just some who will not allow peace. That's why it says, as much as possible, live in peace. But we must do all we can to accomplish that. One of Paul's reoccurring themes is unity in the body of Christ. In Ephesians, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another in love, being diligent to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you also were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And again from Romans 12. For just as we have many parts in one body, and all the body's parts do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually parts of one another. And in 1 Corinthians, For just as the body is one, and yet has many parts, and all the parts of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. All three of those epistles deal with unity in the body, despite diversity in gifts. I cover the gifts in episodes 30, 31, and 32 of Since You Asked. Now, different gifts were not the only things causing division. 1 Corinthians 1 Now I urge you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree and there be no divisions among you, but that you be made complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. For I have been informed concerning you that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is that every one of you is saying, I am with Paul, or I am with Apollos, or I am with Peter, or I am with Christ. This was first century's version of denominations, and it smacks of spiritual pride. Insisting that your denomination is the only right way is rooted in spiritual pride. The same thing holds true for religious cults. There is a false sense of security in believing you have revelation that everyone else is missing. By the way, if you wonder what the problem with saying I am of Christ is, there is a difference between loyalty to historical Jesus and abiding in resurrected Jesus. His teachings alone, without living by his Spirit, will only render lifeless religion. Paul writes to the Philippians, Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear about you, 
that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in Spirit, intent on one purpose. Paul puts emphasis in this when he gives instruction about communion in 1 Corinthians 10. He says, Is the bread which we break not a sharing in the body of Christ? Since there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. Therefore, whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But a person must examine himself, and in so doing he is to eat the bread and drink the cup. For the one who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself, if he does not properly recognize the body. Not recognizing that we are all part of the same body is what makes one unworthy. Communion is the same word as fellowship, koinonia. It means at one with. Unity is important to Jesus. In his high priestly prayer in John 17, he prays, The glory which you have given me, I also have given to them, so that they may be one, just as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity, so that the world may know that you sent me. There is something powerful about people in unity. In Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. As a result, the disciples shook the world. Another roadblock to unity is judging. Romans 14. Now, accept the one who is weak in the faith, but not to have quarrels over opinions. One person has faith that he may eat all things, but the one who is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats is not to regard with contempt the one who does not eat, and the one who does not eat is not to judge the one who eats, for God has accepted him. Who are you to judge the servant of another? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. But as for you, why do you judge your brother? Or you as well, why do you regard your brother with contempt? We will all appear before the judgment seat of God. We tend to judge others concerning things we ourselves are not guilty of, or things that are not spelled out in black and white. I cover gray areas in episode 78 of Since You Asked. Jesus said, Do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in the way that you judge, you will be judged, and by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye when you do not notice the log in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, 
when there is a log in your own eye, you hypocrite? First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So there is a time when we should help our brother with his problems, but we're not to judge him. Galatians 6 Brothers, even if a person is caught in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual are to restore such a person in a spirit of gentleness. But watch yourself so that you are not tempted as well. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks that he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But each one must examine his own work. And then he can rejoice in himself alone, and not to another. For each one will bear his own burden. You can help someone who is struggling, but never forget, there but for the grace of God go I. Sometimes people are afraid to admit they need help because they are afraid of being judged. We have lost the practice of confession. I know there are confessional booths in the Catholic Church, and there are 12-step groups that can offer help, and there are even Christian counseling agencies. But in many churches, we have lost the practice of confessing our faults to others who are not clergy or professionals. Confessing and praying with a brother or sister in Christ can be a very valuable part of fellowship and unity. James says, is anyone sick among you, then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Therefore, confess your sins to one another, and pray for one another, so that you may be healed. First John one nine is well known. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But I have heard people say, I confessed my sin to God, but I still feel guilty. This is where confessing our faults to one another comes in. Two verses earlier it says, If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. Walking in darkness is hiding something. Walking in the light is to be in an exposed posture. Fellowship and unity require walking in the light. Of course, you must use wisdom in who you share your faults with. It needs to be someone you can trust, a person of integrity and proven character. Next comes a big challenge, restitution. Jesus met a tax collector named Zacchaeus, who said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I am giving to the poor, and if I have extorted anything from anyone, I am giving back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Zacchaeus understood that to follow Jesus, 
he needed to make things right as much as possible. Ephesians 4 says, Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Restitution and restoration are inseparable. Paul closes his second letter to Corinth with, Finally, brothers, rejoice, strive for full restoration, encourage one another, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. We are called to walk in unity. It was important to Jesus. It was important to Paul. It is important to our Heavenly Father. To walk in unity, we must recognize that we are all members of the same body. We must abandon divisions related to denominationalism. We must refrain from judging one another. We must receive those who need restoring. We must be open with one another. And we must make amends wherever possible. Unity is possible if we do these things. And if we walk in unity, we will shake our world. Next week, we discuss fellowship and reconciliation. This is Jim Barrier on Since You Asked. Since You Asked is a production of Jim Barrier and Cross Global Media. Visit us online and subscribe to the show at cgmradio.com slash ask.